Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dell Further, the podcast where I actually remember what episode we're on. We're actually episode nine <laughs> with the Overwatch community legend, Hurix, who's been doing this. Legend. I would say so. Doing right. doing the casting thing it. for nearly what? Going on three years now? And Overwatch, yeah, almost almost three years. Uh, it'll be three years probably late summer, I would say. Um, I don't have like a hard date or anything like that. But yeah, I think late summer is when I actually got into casting because I was actually playing it prior to uh, getting into the the casting thing again from the mm. previous game that I was doing prior to Overwatch. Now, jumping directly into that, where did you kind of get your start? Because I find that esports has some kindred spirits like we might not know that like we kind of like we're in the same community like me and like dreamcasts we like happen to be two ships in the night following like the halo community so like where did you kind of start well uh i got my start in a game that nobody's probably really ever heard of or at least realized that hmm. they had an esports division at all which was guild wars 2. Yeah. um so i would say pretty much anybody who's, who's heard of that game would be very surprised to know that they actually had an esports division, but they did. And uh, I led a team called Apex Prime uh, that I, I created back then. I did some occasional management slash coaching for uh, a PvP team that was part of that group, that I guess guild, clan, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. uh, they were really solid. They were a top team at the time. Uh, joined up with this organization called uh, Digital Pro Sports that was into broadcasting. They just hosted a tournament that our team actually won. They said, hey, why don't you come out and come hang out with us? I was like, oh, cool. You're like an hour away. I'll definitely come out. <laughs> they had this beautiful mansion, right? Mm -hmm. This beautiful mansion uh, went out there. They had like food, drinks. We talked and they said, hey, we want to do some other tournaments, but we don't have a caster. Uh, we, we Nobody can do it. And I was like, you know what? I can do it, I guess. They offered me some pizza and some beer, and I was like, let's go. Sounds like a good play. Wound up uh, actually hooking up with ESL later on. We did some go-fors, and then we did Pro League eventually as part of their Pro League system that they had there, and it was Guild Wars 2 Pro League, went into Guild Wars 2 World Championship. So that's pretty much how I got my start, and then eventually just led into Overwatch with uh, Academy Gaming. Ah, oh, that's, that's, again, like super small world. Um, yeah, you know, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, because you seem pretty entrenched with that community. Did Jat like the riot caster Jat? Didn't he play Guild Wars 2? Um, a lot. Actually, like a, a, a lot of people, of people played, did, right? Uber played Guild Wars 2 oh, really? as well. Um, and actually Uber hosted one of the uh, big events for Guild Wars 2 in the esports uh, division in Germany, if I'm not mistaken, um, and it was done there. But I actually wasn't on that broadcast team. They actually used the European casters for mm -hmm. that. So I missed out on actually meeting Uber back then. But that was back in 2015. It it's was actually that world. Uber actually did host a Guild Wars 2 event. That's crazy. Um, one of the one of the older guys that worked kind of writ or had penned a lot of articles at Winston's lab uh, apparently was in the Guild Wars 2 scene as well. Um, oh. yeah, it, it, I, I kind of heard some, some things from him and it, it seemed pretty interesting. Like he was spouting off some names. I'm like, Oh yeah, I know that guy. I know that guy. Yeah. And I, I want to say Jat was in there. Um, so Carhole, if you're out there, you know, best of luck to you. I haven't heard from you in a while, but you know, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of people. Oh. 
Yeah, a lot of people played it. Um, there was also like some big hype around the game yeah. uh, right prior to Pro League because Soda Poppin was actually getting mm -hmm. into it. Uh, and uh, one of my friends that I occasionally still play games with, Fanoram, who was on one of the top teams pretty much throughout the entire history of the uh, North American side of things there in that game, mm -hmm. uh, basically taught Soda Pop in the game. And there's a big YouTube video out if you want to look yeah, for that. Yeah, I then, think I remember yeah. watching that stream and I was so, like, oh, okay, so this is how you play this game. Like you have to like weapon swap and like here's yep, what the class is. Yep. Like, oh, okay, this is kind of interesting now. Like I, I, yeah. I had played it when it came out because I was really big into like World of Warcraft as you know many people were. <clears throat> yep and of Same. course guild wars was like touted as this you know the wow killer like everybody like has gotta migrate like all my my friend group moved over <laughs> i was like i guess i'll give it a chance and yeah it was a really fun game but again you kind of just fell out of, i fell a lot out of love with it and yeah you know, i remember that stream i remember kind of just tuning in I, th I think a friend of mine was like oh yeah soda poppins like learning guild wars too and i tuned in i guess that might have been the same video where the the, the stream yeah. kind of was pulled from but yeah, yep. it's super Pulled interesting. Right from the wow. Had like, I think that was Fanaram's biggest stream. He had like, probably like 15K viewers and Soda Poppin was rocking like 30, 40K yeah. or something at the time. So it was insane, especially because remember, this is what, you know, almost four years ago now, mm -hmm. uh, something like that. I think, I think that expansion came out like late 2014, maybe 2015, it might've been 2015, but either way, we're talking like three, yeah. four years ago. So those were some really big numbers for a game like Guild Wars 2 for sure. No, I mean, okay. So <clears throat> Guild Wars 2, I, I think, and you can completely correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the competitive mode was like the 10 V 10 or like the 15 V 15, right? So how did that kind of work? Okay. So my my favorite aspect there was two modes for competitive play sure. uh, in that game my favorite personally and i'll probably be <laughs> chastised for this and everybody will be mad at me for finally saying it publicly but i preferred the guild wars 2 concept of gvg uh, it was very uh -huh. different than the uh, guild wars 1 concept of gvg um, where it was a lot more of, I think it was 8v8 in Guild Wars 1. Okay. Um, if I'm not mistaken, someone's going to get mad at me if I mess that up, but I'm sorry I didn't play Guild Wars 1. <laughs> I just, I never played it. But Guild Wars 2 was uh, 15v15 and 20v20 for the uh, GBG, and it was just straight deathmatch. And it was just pure, you know, this team starts here, this team starts here, and it's just last man standing wins. Wow. I loved that aspect. I loved the brutality of it. I loved, you know, everything that went into it, the strategy, the macro that was at play because you have 15 to 20 people on each team. Like mm -hmm. that is a very, very big thing. Um, and strategy is something that I took from that game and, and pushed into Overwatch that has, I, I think we'll probably talk about a little bit more, but that's a big reason why I like some of these games is the strategy aspect. Um, and then the other thing, concept the other pillar of the game was the 5v5 and that's what esl picked up that's what the game really pushed as their pvp okay. uh, competitive archetype of uh what was essentially uh, a three-point king of the hill type setup called conquest where you effectively capture these points and then you get one point every second that right. you have a point captured and first to 500 wins hmm. so like with your time watching the game Okay, so so first, you know, kind of leading into that question, you start off like, was the the fifteen v fifteen or the twenty v twenty kind of like two CP? Like, you you just don't like openly say you enjoy it, but like secretly, you're like, ooh, I really enjoy two CP. Well, okay, so uh, the first part of that, I now that I'm not on Guild Wars anymore, I'm I'm 
I'm happy to finally be able to admit that Conquest was a terrible experience, oh, and no. I'm glad that it's. I'm glad. I'm glad that we've moved on from that into something that is far superior. Um, but, um, they. I mean, a lot of people still enjoy it. A lot of people still play the game, and you know, there's still a scene there. They still even run uh, community tournaments, so they're still going. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say that it's very difficult. Um, to imagine a, a, a world where, like, for instance, if Overwatch was only control and mm. that was it, yes, it would be hard to stay uh, as entertained mm -hmm. if that was all you ever got to see. Um, and that's kind of my problem with the conquest thing that happened in that game. But um, I actually, this might be a hot take, but I actually really like 2CP. I like playing it yeah, and I like watching I. it. I, don't I, like I have no problem with 2CP. Ladder. If I have like a three stack going okay, and like we can, fair. but if I'm playing like solo queue and like I, I draw like Temple of Anubis, I'm just like, oh God, this is rough. Yeah. Nothing feels worse than having a 35 minute, you know, Volskaya match that mm -hmm. you wind up drawing out or losing in the last final second. Like, I'd rather just go through and play like five control maps in that time than I just spent playing two CP. But I love watching. I think that's like majority <laughs> yeah. of where like you see a lot of the cool compositions come out and you can really start to see a team's like, uh, cohesion and teamwork really shine is on two CPs. So I love watching it, playing it, eh, not so much, not so much. I also really like the map dichotomy, for, like the, the the dynamics of all of the maps that are on two CP, like Anubis in particular. Mm -hmm. Really, you you bring out a lot of different strategies that I find a lot more interesting. I mean, you see things come out, um, especially on like Anubis point A, where you do yes. have like the the dynamic of the Arisa defense mm -hmm. versus the soft and hard dive type comps and then you know the different ways that teams actually go about strategizing how to deal with that i mean you can see a lot of different intricacies of where you send your genji tracer whether it be to the left going up the window and and you know flanking or go over to the right and then you have the triple blank dash mm -hmm. across from high ground to high ground i mean there's a lot of cool complexities that go into maps like that that i don't think you see that much in other maybe more entertaining styles like control or something like that you don't you don't get a ton of uh thought process when it's control you know? <laughs> granted we've yeah, been straight then, battle it out it's just you know <laughs> go to point brawl it out and then go from there but yeah not a ton of rotation macro play for for control yeah. but uh yeah esports man it's weird <laughs> God bless. Yeah. i i've always kind of held the the opinion that i think overwatch would be a very different spectating experience if we did start with you know no hero limit and then we just narrowed it down to one game mode and just like ran with only payload maps we're only like that's the competitive format we're only going to play hybrid we're only going to play payload um i think it probably would have made things a lot easier to understand where it's just like well on this map you get four minutes and then this map you get two and a half and then you get two here and that's yeah. like, it's it's hard to really explain to people and they do a good job especially in, in the overwatch league and and some of the tier two broadcasts as well of of doing that explanation and having like um fun content to kind of at least help people that are first tuning in explain it so you know they, they yeah try. and i i think the the interesting thing about what's happening um in this ecosystem versus what you would see in maybe even traditional sports or, sure. or any other uh competitive ecosystem on, in the esports division as well is that the tier one broadcast the 
Overwatch League broadcast is kind of responsible for teaching yes. everybody the game. I mean, the, most of the casuals are going to start in Overwatch League and then they're going to, you know, go down into some of these more, I guess you could call them farm leagues or whatever you mm -hmm. want to say, um, like T2, whether it be contenders or, uh, you know, a, a tournament of that caliber, um, whether it be Beat, Pit, you know, any mm -hmm. other tournament, Nexus Cup, you know, any of those that wind up sticking around long term. But, um, and that becomes more of the in-depth advanced kind of takes but i think overwatch league does do a fantastic job of not only providing entertainment but also teaching everybody and and preparing them to be able to actually watch the t2 content and be able to understand oh this is someone to look out for this is a team to look out for and this is what they do well this is what they don't speaking of people to look out for i wanted to go back to guild wars 2 because i find that really interesting who are like <laughs> okay. some of the, the top players and like give me some like fun legendary stories from the guild wars scene uh, if, uh if there's, you can there's recall a, any. oh I, I can definitely recall okay. some um there's a i mean there's a lot of cool stuff that happened in guild wars 2 to be honest I, I have a lot of fond memories that went on there we we had a guy named uh i think i would be remiss if anybody watched this from guild wars 2 that still followed me on twitter um and i didn't talk about helseth um lord helseth is his name actually i've heard of that name rings a bell yeah, he he is the uh, undisputed, self-proclaimed king of Guild Wars Two. Oh, okay. uh, he he took a he took a team that was uh, kind of on its last legs, and then just kind of smashed it together with another really solid team in the pro league. Uh, mm. I think it was season two, but they effectively went from a team in season one that was pretty solid, and he was a good player on an okay, mediocre team. Um, I don't think he actually even made it to finals in season one, but I could be mistaken about that. But um, then in season two, they came out. Maybe he did. Maybe they did get second. I don't know. Either way, um, uh, either way, in season two, they came back and they stomped everybody wow. and they were super strong world champions uh, in the actual world champion tournament that happened after season two as well. Pretty much could say that they were the best team towards the end of that competitive scene once esl and uh guild wars 2 basically parted ways mm. um and we didn't really have esports in the game anymore um and uh interestingly the the top they were the top team in eu the top team probably globally as well uh at that stage um and the other team the top na team with actually with uh fanaram at the time um who was the person who taught soda pop and how to play the game right um they had a a guy named nos and nos was the necromancer player he played okay. that like death character yeah. and everything only played that character Hellseth, on the other hand played the mesmer character which is very much similar if you play apex like an Legends, illusionist kind of yeah if you if you play apex if you're thinking mirage <laughs> exactly accurate that is exactly what uh, mesmer is pretty much um and then just also throw in uh the portal uh, mechanic that you have on Wraith. Mm. So if you play Apex, very easy to understand <laughs> what Mesmer is. Um, but they had a, a matchup in that game. Uh, I'm not sure exactly who won because this was back in like 2015 that they actually played this. And I think it was actually at Gamescom where Uber was uh, there as well. And after the match, they said that they're going to do an arm wrestling competition and this was like their great like 1v1 or whatever okay. so they do the they do the armless wrestling uh 1v1 and i think i think helseth won 
like the right-handed version or the left-handed version. And then Nas was like, okay, now we go and we swap hands and straight broke his arm clean in two wow. on their arm wrestle. And then forced the the guy, uh, Grouch, who was leading uh, the esports division of Arena at the time to take Helsa to the hospital on his birthday, uh, Grouch's birthday. And now Grouch is the uh, like head of esports or something like that at Amazon Game Studios. So crazy. Absolutely insane how things turn out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it really is a small world. It's absolutely crazy. Like listening to everybody's kind of like origin story and learning a little bit about them and their history, like learning like how close or like at what scene they followed and like who kind of like, again, like you guys in Uber, like, I think that's really cool. Um, like it, it really is kind of like a little village and, and you know, yeah, it's wild, but how, how, what, what else would you say? Uh, what other games would you say you uh, actively followed at the time? Um, I followed a couple. Um, so working in Guild Wars 2, I also had spent a lot of time with uh, Kalaris, um, okay. who does a lot of, he does a lot of casting for, well, he did a lot of casting for Heroes. He's got his start in StarCraft. So he yeah. does spend a lot of time on, I would say, primarily on Blizzard games. Now he's actually working on uh, PUBG. And uh, I don't think he... I think he's done some stuff with Matrim, who I know was actually mm -hmm. on this podcast uh, pretty recently as well. And um, I followed my, uh, Matrim as well yeah. um, ever since because Matrim was in Overwatch. He's you know, pretty OG, much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, way back when I was uh, doing stuff back in <laughs> 2016. But uh, but yeah, so um, I, I did work with Kalaris and, you know, I was I was definitely keeping my eye on uh, Heroes of the Storm. I was playing that game pretty regularly at, uh, regularly at the time. I was I think when the ladder was introduced they didn't have like a tier system mm -hmm. where it was like you know gold silver plat whatever um it, it was basically a ranking system from 50 to one and if right. you were rank one that just means you were like i don't know like one percent or whatever and i was rank one pretty much the entire time that i was doing the guild wars 2 stuff so i was talking to kolaris and and maybe seeing if i wanted to get into that eventually just decided that um overwatch was going to be my new game mm -hmm. um but i would say like here's a storm probably like some some cod action because i don't think battle royales were really taking off at that point maybe Not other crazy h1z1 yeah. maybe I, I maybe that that was probably later than that as well i don't know yeah it's it's tough to really remember when when peaks specifically were but i think that yeah. probably like at least h1z1 was out at the time it might not have had caught fire as much as it did like yeah. with on twitch and whatnot but yeah you you mentioned that you know you've been doing this for a long time and i don't think people really realize that like they they might have recalled <laughs> you like maybe doing like maybe. some beat stuff but you've Mac been miller casting at some point <laughs> sure I, I i yeah i can definitely understand that one um but you've been doing this like hard grinding since like early 2016 right yeah, early 2016, maybe like summer, uh, I think is what I settled on. Okay. Um, I can't I can't really like recall a hard date. I could probably look one up, but I would say like late summer is when I probably started, maybe as late as August or something. But yeah, 2016 uh, basically just started jumping in with my co-caster at the time, uh, Storm, mm -hmm. who we both uh, were casting Guild Wars 2. He was my co-caster for the Guild Wars 2 stuff and the LAN okay. events that we had uh, with ESL. And he ran Academy Gaming. Uh, it was effectively just a weekly for what we consider at the time to be tier two, 
now most people would say that that was tier three. Right. Um, obviously, it was a little harder to have structure back then because, mm -hmm. you know, we didn't have Overwatch League. We didn't have contenders and it's hard to define that kind of stuff back then. But, you know, a lot of really, really solid talent came from there. I mean, I still um, kind of converse with some of the players that have gone through Academy Gaming, you know, guys that came through, you know, the Hammers, all of the Hammers esports teams pretty much existed in Academy Gaming. So if you know Jake, Super, Avast, you know, all those guys, uh, Avast less so because he joined that team uh, quite a bit later, actually, yeah. uh, in late 2016, I think December 2016 is when he actually joined that that roster. But um, I would say Academy Gaming definitely set me up for some success because it was a really, really cool community, you know, talk being able to talk to and hang out with and and all that with some of these players that at the time were considered you know amateur up and comers mm -hmm. that are now you know in owl or in contenders and doing you know really really cool things um i think academy gaming was a big part of why i'm probably even still doing this I think one of my first big articles was about the old like bird noises transition into hammers yeah. esports and i remember literally quoting you and storm in that article so again really yeah yeah, yeah. i remember like i'm like oh okay like these guys came from like tf2 and this is really cool and like writing this out and yeah i i linked back to the video and yeah i remember listening to that and and citing that oh no was it on. the interview with jake was it we did we did an interview storm and i did an interview i think for rival cade uh, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i think it so it was one of our first pieces of content that we decided to push out and please do not search it on youtube because it is <laughs> terrible please do not go look at it it's so bad but i believe this was i could i could be mistaken but i think this is the actual first interview that jake ever did i think so um and and I remember, you know, back then I was basically just spotting out any kind of talent that I could see, mm. um, you know, people that I thought were going to be going places and and just, you know, either posting something about them on Twitter or like saying things with, you know, the network that AG created um, so that the, these players can get some of the the hype that they probably deserve, the spotlight that they deserve. Obviously, I didn't have the following to provide that kind of spotlight, um, sure. certainly back then but you know even now but still I, I wanted to do something and uh bird noises was a team that was like definitely up and coming and i had spoken to jake a couple of times and we did that interview and i i actually recently brought up <laughs> i still have the notes from that really interview. wow i still have them they're on my google drive and i brought them up and there's a ton of stuff that's actually why i was able to recall Avast's join date like yes. so easily because i actually i just looked at it like pretty recently but huh. yeah i think that was first i think so first that jake had yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah because I, I remember like him talking about like his philosophy background and like going to school and then dropping out yeah he was like, in, he was literally in his dorm yeah when we did the interview so yeah just a fun piece of trivia there i thought that was really <laughs> interesting kind of fun but uh yeah, you've been doing this for like an extremely long time. Like when you first, okay, so let me ask you this. When did you first kind of know that Overwatch was going to be the next game? Like why did it kind of trump peers this time? Ooh, open beta. Open yeah. beta because uh, I was moving from one apartment to another um, at that time. And because this was early-ish 2016, mm -hmm. right? Open beta. Something like so, that. So, um we had so I, I moved apartments and I was I was told that this game was going to be pretty cool. Um, someone that I knew had 
access to it kind of earlier. So I we went over to his house just to check out. He's like, you got to check this game out. It was actually someone I worked with uh, with DPS uh, who was that group that I went over to, you know, their big mansion, sure. you know, for Guild Wars 2. I was still friends with them at the time, still kind of am actually friends with this guy in particular, at least. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he was like, you know, you got to come over. You got to check this game out. I love this character, Roadhog. You know, like, it's so <laughs> sick. It's such a cool game. And uh, I, I went over there. We had some beers. We played the game a little bit. And I was like, you know what? I really want to try this out next open beta is like a, either a weekend or like a week long or something like that and i was like i gotta try this out but i'm moving house and i'm hopefully gonna be able to have internet in time well didn't wind up having internet oh, in time no. and i was like you know i still want to try it out i'm just gonna you know 4g tether just for a little bit just to see i wound up 4g tethering to the sum of about I would definitely over a thousand dollars over the course of that week just playing this game. Um, however, uh, I will say that I didn't have to pay that. It was actually a fault of the company that uh, was providing the internet service, so they actually just paid there everything. So otherwise, I would not have done that. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> that irresponsible. But um, but yeah, wound up playing it uh, in open beta, and I was like, you know, I gotta get into this, whether it be playing it, um, coaching it because of my coaching background in Guild Wars 2, mm -hmm. um, or, or you know, maybe even giving casting a try. But I knew that I at least wanted to get um, an idea of the strategy and the macro concepts and, you know, some of the mechanics that go on within the game before I got into casting because my background is color sure. and I wanted to have that information prior to just, you know, jumping in blindly. So um, probably open beta, yeah, would be hmm. when I was like, you know what, this is going to be a thing. So the 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 almost the truest OG. I mean, closed was still pretty <laughs> difficult to get into yeah. uh, for whatever reason. Like I have terrible luck with with Blizzard like alpha codes and this that the other thing. I have a friend who <laughs> literally gets all of them. Like he gets he he. I don't know how many times I had to run this kid through a number of dungeons because his count would get hacked because he was fish botting and then he was speed botting and he would just get unbanned. He's like, oh yeah, my roommate did it. And he just keeps getting like <laughs> alpha codes and beta codes. Like he got the try star. I'm like, what the, and, but I got overwatch. So I was okay with that. I was like, all right, yeah, I got overwatch. Yeah. It was all good. But going into casting and working with, with storm, um, do you guys actually still stay in touch? Uh, very infrequently, I would okay. say. Um, he he definitely um we we basically had that fork in the road where he went on one path and i went mm -hmm. on the other he went kind of behind the scenes doing a great job over at battle i think he's the partnership programs manager there awesome. so Good for him. um he's doing he's doing really cool things over at battle and that's a really cool company we we did a lot with battle mm -hmm. um with ag so we had a really good connection with them and especially storm in particular because he was uh doing pretty much all of the admin work by himself. And then I was effectively running the broadcast. So we kind of separated things like that. Um, but yeah, he's doing really cool things. We don't really talk as much because, you know, of how different sure. our, uh, we're of what we're doing now. Um, but yeah, I, I would say, you know, ever so occasionally we still, you know, chat, you know, awesome. I still when things are happening for him, I'm liking his stuff and tw on Twitter and, you know, sending him a message, you know, hope things are going well. He does the same for me as well. Oh, so. so that's good. That's good you know different ecosystems different you know friend groups yeah. of course people drift apart but i'm, I'm happy that yeah. at least you guys are still in touch that's that's really cool yeah and, and <laughs> transitioning into what you're kind of doing now a little bit at least you know progressing down the path um most people will probably either know you from like the super old days as to which you know kudos to you for being ogs but doing the south <laughs> well true 
true. You know, now you're you and, and Lemon Kiwi and all these people at Broadcast GG are doing, you know, contenders for South America and, and you guys you've really started to kinda of come into your own. Like what's been the, the evolution from doing these weekly tournaments in twenty sixteen for, you know, five to ten viewers. I know, you know, this podcast again, there's like two or three people that watch it. So, you know, I, I definitely yeah. feel that pain. <laughs> but you know, what's that what's the progress been there? What how how's that been? So uh we got really lucky actually at one point so um rival k was a company that came in and wanted to do overwatch stuff um we, we effectively were kind of bouncing around different community tournaments we did uh some like realm events which um okay. i'm gonna put them on blast they still haven't paid us oh and they just no. vanished classic esports i guess but uh yeah if you know anybody from realm hit me up because we've we've got words to exchange but uh <laughs> <laughs> but um you know, moving from there, we, we had a lot of different community tournaments that we wound up doing um, that uh, were really cool, really liked working with a lot of those people. We were able to then have like a little deal with uh, Realm or at least uh, not Realm, uh, at least Storm hooked up with Rival K a little bit, uh, worked with Joshi through that, sure. um, kind of roped me in later on. But I think our first big break was um, when Pit season one mm -hmm. came around. Mm -hmm. And they were going to have this big qualifier for it. And it was going to be, you know, one of the bigger tournaments at the time, certainly one for, you know, the amateur side of things yes. where a lot of those teams were getting their first big crack at being able to be, you know, toe to toe with some of the other big names uh, that were out there. And the qualifier we heard was not going to be streamed. So Storm and I were like, well, what what could it hurt? We'll just go ahead and send an email out to mm -hmm. Pit and the organizers and just see hey you mind if we just cast the qualifier we'll do it for free we just you know want something to cast and they came back and they said well we have someone doing the eu qualifier which uh turned out was actually brunch who i worked on uh pit season two and season three with mm -hmm. um didn't know him at all at the time but they were like we don't have anybody for na you guys can do it free of charge you know haha <laughs> -ha. uh but we'll effectively let you do it and we won't pay you for it but you can go for it right um so so we did it uh i think it went pretty well and they turned around uh they had beyond the summit actually doing the hiring for for pit season one uh and ld actually messaged us and was like hey you want to jump in for season one we need some more casters you guys can come in and we'll uh you know be able to mix it up wound up casting alongside you know joshi sideshow mm -hmm. um i don't think bren was actually in uh pit season one but definitely you know like guys like sideshow and stuff like that were involved and it was really cool to be able to cast with people uh of that caliber at that stage as well so pit season one definitely our first big break wound up casting rivalcade rumble uh, rumbles after that which i think still to this date is my biggest concurrent viewership i think we capped out at like 32,000, wow, 34,000. Really? that's crazy um, so that that was a big tournament at the time for sure um and i, I think a lot of people see me and they think pit Mm -hmm. um, or Contender South America, but definitely Rivalcade Rumble was the biggest event in terms of peak concurrency and broadcasting that I think I've done to date. Um, and maybe we'll break that soon. But for now, that's that's where it, where it lies. But yeah, Pit, Rivalcade Rumble, um, uh, Contender South America, and Academy Gaming, I think would be my effective brand yeah. in terms of the tournaments that I've covered. Why do I remember you in Atlantic City? Was there a LAN? Rivalcade Rumble. Is that okay? Rivalcade I was. I wasn't. I wasn't yeah. sure. I was like, I remember you yeah. and Storm. And I kind of like a very dark LAN. That was oh. the one thing I remember. The lighting was just very dim. Yeah. So we were. 
so Atlantic City, if you are not privy to uh, the history of this city, it is effectively the, they call it like the Vegas of the East, yeah. essentially. Um, unfortunately, it didn't pan out like Vegas. Um, and things are... <laughs> The, the city itself looks very much like the stream did. I mean, it's very dreary yeah. and very kind of sad. Mm. Uh, a lot of the businesses, a lot of the casinos have moved on. Um, it didn't it just didn't work out as well as, you know, Las Vegas did. Sure. Um, and they're trying to revive it. There's a there's a big revival, uh, like renaissance thing going on right now in Atlantic City. And part mm. of that was trying to bring in, uh, you know, this to see if the esports scene would would be able to thrive there, perhaps. Um, and part of this was bringing in Rivalcade and they wanted to do a tournament out of this uh, hotel that they were going to renovate. And it's this I, I will say it is beautiful, this hotel. I mean, it was built for millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And it looks the part um, and they were re renovating it. They wanted to host a convention for like gaming and like anime and stuff like that, okay. I, I want to say. So. So, yeah, we had we had a tournament and it was in their. I guess like theater or like concert like hall or something room. like that. Yeah, it was sure. something like that. We actually had uh, the voice actors for uh, Sombra and Symmetra. Very cool. So I got to interview both of them. That was a really cool experience. Um, but yeah, it was effectively in like I, I think it. I think we can call it a concert hall mm -hmm. or like a like a theater hall or I don't sure. know something like that. But yeah, it was very dark. And they said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna pay you pretty pretty well, but." You have to have the brand, and that means wearing this polo. So we wore—I yeah. uh, think ZP called it the uh, the Home Depot shirt. Like he was sending me a DM, and he was like, "Hey, you should probably wear like a button-up." I'm like, "Look, they're paying me decent money. I'm gonna wear what they want me yeah. to wear." But he was like, "You you guys are sporting like the Home Depot shirt," and it was a, it was just like a like a black polo with like the Home Depot orange yeah. Rivalcade logo on it, and it did not look good. But hey, they're paying, so whatever. Gotta gotta suit up. Gotta stay in uniform. I, yeah, I, I do. Yeah, yeah. I do very much remember that. I can't say that I watched the whole thing. I'll be completely honest. I don't remember watching the entire event, but I, yeah. I definitely remember. It was long. Yeah, it was long. I can imagine so. But I mean, it sounded like everything kind of went off without a hitch. Got paid. The event was you know dark, but yeah. still good. I think the worst part was just getting there because I remember driving there. It's a, so I live in uh, like the DC area. Sure. Um, for anybody that's looking to find me, you won't. Um, <laughs> so don't worry about that. But the DC area, we'll call it. But uh, going from there to Atlantic City is a lot of back roads. Mm -hmm. And what that means is, of course, not very lit back roads. Um, and I was driving there after I would say like 6 p.m. and it was like a, it's like a four or five hour drive, something along those lines, maybe less than that. Because yeah, because be, because after 6 p.m. you don't have much as much traffic in D.C. So I think it was only like three or four hours. But hmm. either way, it was back roads and it was raining super hard and it was already dark at night and it was so scary to I drive <laughs> to Atlantic City like in the pitch black darkness in back roads of like farm towns and stuff like that and you have no idea where anything is and you're going through like winding roads and it looks like roads just straight end because <laughs> the road drops so that was a, a daunting experience I would say probably the worst part about that uh, that experience but everything else was great I would have to say to be honest well, that's um, good. despite the look of the stream and everything <laughs> I mean you know once you got in game it was just the, the only thing the the one thing that I can remember is like here at Storm yeah. I like their casting it was just kind of dark 
And I remember, I do yeah. remember the polos. I will say, I remember the polos and the banners in the back, yep. like these kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I forgot about the banners. Yeah, yeah, we definitely had the banners too. Yeah. Uh, well, gotta do to you know, gotta do. I also, to get paid. I also had to set up the stream. I remember this. I don't know why I, I forgot about this. Um, I actually had to set up that stream about an probably about, probably less than an hour before we actually oh, went live no. because they had this mixer. Um, and they were trying to get the microphones to work because we were going to be doing the interview uh, for the voice actors or voice actresses, sure. whatever they prefer. I don't know, whatever uh, uh, for uh, the interview. And they mm -hmm. had these headsets that weren't working and they found out, well, or I went over to the mixer. I was like, hey, you only have two inputs. That's for <laughs> my mic. And it is Storm's mic. mic. Yeah. So you guys need to figure something else out. And they were like, okay, well, we can buy a mixer, like run to like run to a store and like buy a mixer and like get this sorted. And I'm, and I'm like, well, we have about no time left. So that's not happening. So uh, I effectively reconfigured their entire like mixer setup and all of their audio um, and ran. We actually had sponsored, luckily sponsored uh, like Razer headsets. Sure. Um, that they gave us to just put like on the table. And mm -hmm. I was like, what well, we're, we're using these now. <laughs> We actually, I pulled them over and we had uh, the headsets into my computer for the spectator cam and uh, uh, Storm's computer for the other spectator cam. And we ran it through Discord and it sounded awful, but we used it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? You gotta, you gotta work on the fly. You gotta work with what you got. It is pretty funny. So you're, so you're telling me the, the sponsored Razer boxes are just completely empty because you had to set it up for the, the interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely <laughs> empty. The, the the keyboards were even. I mean, we we used everything that they sponsored. That's I so mean, funny. everything that they were like, hey, you know, throw these out. We were using them. They worked great. So I guess yeah, you know, hey, kudos to Razer. There you go. Products work. Yeah. Why not? You know, can't, if, they're, can't, if they're right there, use them. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Now, from you know, from that, we transition into South America, which you and the South American crew have been very passionate about. I, I can't stress that enough. These guys have been like <laughs> super about South America. We still have to have this weird like Chinese versus South American contenders like show match at some point. I don't know if it'll right. ever happen. We keep t kind of talking around it, but sooner or later, I'm sure it'll happen. But you know, talk to me a little bit about you know South American contenders. I hear there's a super team kind of forming. So you know, give me a yep. brief history of of South American contenders in your involvement okay so for south america as a region the story has always been brazil gaming house sure. uh, even dating back to early 2017 it's always been about brazil gaming house brazil uh, bgh actually um wound up doing a couple of little stints in north american tournaments i mm -hmm. think with like the alienware monthly melees so um it was probably the only team that anybody ever ever really knew anything about yes. and for a good reason because they were the best team in the region for a long time alongside another team called isaris gaming um a lot of storied history between those two organizations but mm. uh, season two was very much along that narrative of isaris versus uh, brazil gaming house they wound up in season three deciding alongside a lot of other players um that hey buyouts are a thing so we need to make sure that we don't have any so that we have our best <laughs> shot at actually getting into a, an academy team or an overwatch league team which are obviously the targets for anybody in the overwatch uh ecosystem sure and they made their own team based tryhards wound up losing to uh, a team called lft owl which was just a ragtag group from uh these two teams that only made it to quarterfinals last year they were like you know seventh eighth place or 
wait, fifth through eighth place sure. um, last season uh, in season two, got completely demolished. And now we have a new team because of players, you know, going different directions. Two of their mm -hmm. uh, uh, BGH players wound up going to Uprising Uprising Academy. Mm -hmm. uh, that's uh, Alamong and Klaus, respectively. Had to make sure I got it in the right order. Um, but uh, but yeah, because of all this movement and all this stuff going on in the South American region and a lot of these other teams really on the come up and kind of catching up to where BGH was, or rather BTH, um, now we have a lot of really solid teams and a super team called Loki Esports, which is uh, players from Brazil Gaming House and players from LFT Owl, the grand finalists from season three. So you got Muris, Lico, uh, Fasti, Honorado, Ule, and Pizza Lover, and the coaches of both teams. So you've got okay. a literal powerhouse dominant force. And I actually did tweet about this recently. Um, that this is a really good move. And it's a lot of people looked at this as kind of like a, I'll, I'll use the term like cutthroat kind of play where it's like, okay, you're going to take the two best teams that nobody had a chance of beating, take all of like the best pieces and just mash them up into one team. How are we ever going to compete? Well, hey, look, you've got this new system coming through exactly. for contenders in 2019 and you have the show match coming up. If you want the best hope for your region to be able to at least have a shot at competing in the gauntlet or have a shot at making a name for your region, you need the absolute mm -hmm. best of the best to be able to make that kind of bold statement. And you only have one shot because South America in the Eastern Showdown has one, one team. Yep. You've just got one shot. So it has to be a good shot. And Loki Esports seems like the best team to do it. And with super teams, they tend to either be incredibly dominant, which are probably a small percentage of like all of like the super teams across like traditional sports and even esports and whatever competitive facet there is. But most of them tend to fall on their face. So there's a very yeah. good chance that some like ragtag, another ragtag, you know, South American <laughs> team comes out and they just have this huge upset, which, you know, how, how, how awesome of a story is that? You know, yeah, that's, now you're that's... going to the showdown and competing for your region you know this this yeah. i definitely understand where people are coming from when they say cutthroat and very aggressive i totally understand that but like you're saying it's very good in the long run you build up your region you build up notoriety hell sao paulo maybe in the overwatch league who knows you know yeah eight teams not? this year why not eight more teams next year you know and south america <laughs> needs some representation pretty, so who knows pretty crazy expansion if they get eight more for next year but yeah who knows you never I mean, know and I don't think that Loki would be a team that winds up getting upset. Sure, um, sure. There's certainly a lot of really good talent, but the, I think the issue is is that this team isn't just um, you know really solid players that are coming together. These are mm -hmm. players that have known each other for a really long time. They've mm -hmm. played with each other before, okay. you know, way back in the past. I mean, uh, a lot of a lot of the players on both of those teams, LFT Owl and uh, Base Tryhards, mm -hmm. have a lot of history together. I mean pretty much everybody on one roster has at least played with two to three others on the other at some point or another. So they have really storied histories together. It's not something that I think they're going to have a tr any tremendous problem meshing. Mm -hmm. And they also have two of probably the better coaches, if not the best coaches in the region to back them up simultaneously. So Loki Esports should be a pretty dominant team and should be the team that does go to showdown um, in June, I believe. I can't wait for that. You know, did a podcast we'll earlier happens. with, with I will Drake. say, go ahead. I, I will say before, before we move on from that, because I yeah. do think this is very important to mention and I want it to be on something that isn't <laughs> just BGG. 
Trid, uh, caster for EU, yep. did say that if an SA team in the showdown beats an EU team, he will do a, a, a form of a shoey. And what we settled on eventually is that he's going to allow every player from probably low-key esports, but whatever SA team uh, winds up making it, to basically fountain a double gin and tonic from shoe to shoe to shoe to shoe all the way down, and he will take a shoey of a double gin and tonic through basically a fountain effect of, of everybody on that South American pl uh, team's shoes. What yeah, is up so. with South American doing shoeys? It's just is that it's the bet? It's it's okay. So it it start. It's an Australian thing. Of course, so of course. It started yes. of course with Uber, and then I think basically just where it ran from there was that uh, uh, there was that grind podcast where mm -hmm. everybody was talking about it, and uh, Ham Tornado wound up saying that if uh, based why I think it was that if based loses, she would do a shoey. So that's effectively how <laughs> we got from there uh, to where we are now, where Trid is going to have to. Uh, go from six different shoes a double gin and tonic and i i feel for him because there's a possibility man this is a good team this is a really good sure. team i think it's gonna really i think they're gonna make an impact more so than a lot of people expect even considering how good i know the north american and european talents to be i mean those mm -hmm. are really really solid teams but i still think south america is going to be able to make an impact there there's always one brazilian or south american team that comes up in an esport that's like the leader in the region that will take games and yep it's it's not a, a betting man's when... game but yeah, there was a time when people didn't think that SK Gaming and CSGO exactly. was going to be that great. And look all of a sudden, yeah, look where they are. So It's <laughs> definitely a possibility. I wouldn't say I'd bet on it, Yeah, but um, it's definitely a possibility. You know, they, they, they have yeah. very good players. Yeah, that's the, 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 the thing that I've said the, the most now, I would say, is that before it was they they would have had a chance at maybe taking a couple of maps off the mm -hmm. top teams and stuff. Because here's the thing, the, you're talking about the top of each region. Exactly. And contenders, you're talking about, from North America, you're talking about academy teams that are likely going to be the teams that actually wind up making it. You're talking about, you know, your fusion universities, mm -hmm. your Atlanta academies, these teams that have been pretty strong for the last, you know, well, maybe not at, at, Atlanta uh, is the case here, but at least sure. like, you know, talk about Fusion University, your Gigantes, teams of that caliber that you're going to be putting this team up against. Yes, it's it's hard to believe that they're going to be able to do very much against them. But with this new roster, with this low-key esports roster that was announced, mm -hmm. they at least now have a pretty good shot at doing something. I don't know what it's going to be, and I wouldn't bet on it either way. Uh, because I feel like either way I'm going to lose money, but <laughs> but hey, I think that they have at least a good shot now, and I think that's what's most important for this region to mm -hmm. be able to claim, hey, we're not far behind. Because I think that's the impression that a lot of people have is that South America, you know, China, these regions are very very far behind the rest, and I think this is a good time for a lot of these regions to make a bold statement and say, hey, we're not actually that far yeah. behind. In fact, we might be able to even beat you guys here and there. It, it it's going to be a very it's going to be a more competitive version of the world cup in my eyes where you know you still get that regional pride where it's like i'm rooting for the team from na and i'm rooting for the team from you and you know we're, we'll have you know words there but the end at the end of the day these this is amazing for the players because they can really come in and and showcase what the team has to offer on a on a you know an offline environment 
to a large audience, you know, what's, yeah. what's to hate there. Yeah, absolutely. And especially, I think something that will help uh, South America too is that these players in particular, I think all of them, if I'm not mistaken, I, I want to say that all of them do have land experience too. Mm. Um, and that can be something that helps them as well. I mean, of course. I think for a majority of the teams that they're going to be playing against from NA and EU will have the same thing, but it certainly won't be something that hurts them, which is, uh, I think, a boon because a lot of people may not may not know that they have that land experience, whether it be from playing in Overwatch World Cup or uh, some of the Brazilian tournaments that have had land experiences, uh, even as recently as I think September, October of last year. Before we jump off of South America, let me pose you this hypothetical. If the showdown was applied to last season of contenders and you sent, who was it? Who, who won South LFT. America? LFT. And you send them to face Giganti and Fusion University. And I think Atlanta, because I think we get two or three. I don't remember. Anywho. But like, yeah. if, you, if it was added last year, do you think South America has a shot? No. no. I respect the other I don't think I don't think that LFT has the ability to take on a Fusion University. I don't think LFT has the ability to take on you know like a Giganti or something like that. Sure. Uh, in in that current state, I think that with their current roster, they can build into a team that has a shot. Okay. And I think that's the best way, the most optimistic way that I could leave <laughs> it. Um, but again, I think that that shouldn't take away from how much that they've accomplished and what they're capable of. Because when we're talking about your Gigantes and your Fusion Universities, you're talking about the, in my opinion, at least outside of like Korea contenders, mm -hmm. the two best, I guess you could say like, like farm ups for, for being able to pull players that are Overwatch League caliber. I mean, Fusion University has some fantastic players that they've jumped up. I mean, guys like Alarm um, are going to be names. That's going to be a name that we're going to be talking about for years and years and yep. years, you know, as long as Overwatch is going. Um, guys like Elk, I think, are going to have an even bigger impact coming into 2019. You're going to be looking at him um, probably making an impact on uh, Philadelphia Fusion as a whole. Um, so... Those are really, really high level players that you're talking about. Who are you is another big mm -hmm. name. You know, Giganti has pushed pretty much everybody that they've ever had yeah. on their roster Talk outside a, of Davin to Overwatch League. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about some really high quality talent that I don't think that LFT Owl or BTH could have competed with in 2018. But in 2019, where things are headed, I think there's a possibility that they could contend with them i don't think that they would dominate in any shape of the word <laughs> <laughs> that's that's perfectly fair enough and, and again i respect the honesty because you know it's it's very it's very nice and it's very fun to just go on brand and be like no you know what south america's gonna come out <laughs> that 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 crazy flair and they're gonna pull out something some, something fancy so you know again I love respect. South America, though, man. Like uh, you, you mentioned it before that we have like this passion. We definitely do. I you mean, do. I mean, it's it's definitely something that you fall into and you, you can easily it's it's very easy to fall in love with these guys because, sure. you know, you talk to them and uh, they're they're so like they have like those really big eyes and everything mm -hmm. still like they really want it. Like they're very passionate about it. They're very into it. Uh, they're always trying to improve and they have these, you know, the, the, these great storylines, guys like Edgegus that are out there as well. Anybody that follows South America will know his storyline. I mean, a young kid kind of like that sugar free effect sure. where 
you know, it's just this young kid, incredibly talented, but also Edricus has this like absolutely magnificent attitude, you know, like just great personality, super nice guy. Um, and really, you know, that's the kind of thing that I think is easy to fall in love with with South mm -hmm. America. And it takes away from what some people might expect from what is a heavily Brazilian region and what I think a lot of people think about uh, Brazilian yeah. gamers and everything. And it's, it's, it's truly a really quality region. I really love South America as a whole and everybody that's covered South America feels the same way. It does. It, from what I've heard, it's very, very charming. And again, you're, you're kind of, uh, in a in a weird selfish way you're kind of like you know scouring through the you know the the diamonds in the rough and you can kind of like yeah. have a have a region you call your own and you're an expert in <laughs> but you know the players are super interesting and super nice and and they have all these really cool stories so i can totally understand how you just fall in love and and you you put these players up there and, and you just wish them nothing but the best and you know yeah um, you know talking about like with what boston's kind of scouted with um yeah. some of the they're you know what can we expect? Is this uh, were these good moves? Because you know, I, I can't I can't say that I put them too highly. But again, you know, I'll be uh, eating crow if if Huck well, proves me wrong. But give me a good little think, backstory. I think Huck as a as a GM or president of gaming, sure. um, he he uh, does well to take risks in that in that fashion. Um, mm -hmm. And if we do wind up talking about Overwatch League, then maybe I can talk about it more. But okay. Um, I will say that going through, I think, uh, who was it? It must have been maybe like bench mob or something. Mm -hmm. Use the term going through the bargain bin. Um, I think that was bench mob. I could be wrong. Probably. It, it sounds like, like Dave. It, was, it sounds, it's, I think it was, I think it was Dave, but um, <laughs> he, he described it as going through the bargain bin and Huck's been known to do that and it paid off to a degree in uh, sure. season one. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work skeptical? out for season two. Hmm. Um, I'm a little skeptical. They still have Kellex on the roster. Alamong would be someone that I would definitely be playing for sure in the Lucio role. Okay. I mean, mechanically, he's a very solid talent. People are going to see an owl when he does get playtime and he will get playtime. Um, just what he's capable of because he is a really, really solid talent. It's just about, you know, making sure that he has everything else, uh, the intangibles, things that you don't see on sure. the broadcast. Um, but all among very solid talent, Klaus, I think, was pretty much an undisputed, you know, top one or two DPS in the South American region. Very, very solid talent. If worked into a very good system, I think that he would excel um, kind of in the same capacity as like Fleta and Soul Dynasty, where it's like you have this really, really solid player. If only there was a good system, you know, I can't um, tell if you're pandering or not. So I'm not sure. <laughs> but you're selling me uh, on this Klaus kid. Not 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 of pander not a pander but i truly <laughs> believe that i think okay. uh klaus is a is a really solid talent that hmm. in time will, sh will i think certainly flourish and there okay. are definitely players like him in south america that are yet to be discovered awesome awesome now you can correct me if i'm wrong but the the next transition in your career right you know moving to elo hell i don't know if you're completely full-time with them and and you're doing other projects i have no idea that's something you can describe um but kind of explain how it's been working with them you know some of the stuff you guys have up and coming i know i've you know there's there's big things coming through the grapevines people no leaks but be excited <laughs> i will say that be very excited but you yeah. know how's it been working with jane and the crew 
Really good. Really good. Uh, so interestingly, so I, I mostly worked with BGG uh, mm -hmm. over like the last like six months, seven months, something like that. Ever since Pit, uh, I went out to Croatia actually um, to do Pit season three. Beautiful city called Split Beach, uh, beach city and everything. Got to hang out on the beach and go out. They took really good care of us and everything. Awesome. But coming back, I was like, OK, I need to find something stable wound up getting into uh, South America. And that's kind of how I got my start with uh, BGG doing something f with them very consistently. Sure. Um, then through that, I wound up working with Lemon Kiwi. We became a duo and we decided, hey, we want to work together. Um, and I would say over the next couple of months, we worked together and then eventually we decided, hey, this is working out. You know, why don't we really push this? Why don't we really push the envelope? Why don't we take ourselves to that next level? Why don't we put in the time and the effort and everything that's needed to make sure that we actually get to the next stage where we want to go, whatever our goal may be. Um, at the time, uh, Lemonkey was also pushing a lot of content for mm -hmm. Overwatch Contenders Daily with Kick Tripod, who you obviously mm -hmm. uh, have a pretty good relationship with. And I was doing stuff for Owl Daily a couple of times yeah. there too. Um, so. Uh, she was doing that. I think Jane wound up finding her through either that or um, through the broadcast of BGG and uh, pulled her in for head of content or something like that. Mm -hmm. Head of channel manager, channel manager. There we go. Nailed it. <laughs> I should I should know this being her friend and duo partner, but I you know whatever. Uh, but Titles. yeah, got pulled into Elo Hell and uh, it wasn't actually something that I was a part of. And they wound up doing some tournaments. Uh, Jane getting started with the Dallas Fuel stuff. He um, unfortunately couldn't make uh, some of the events because he got pulled into you know a scrim here or a meeting right. there. And then when he moved to LA, he was also super sick. So I definitely feel for the uh, for the guy. And he's been nothing but truly, genuinely a nice guy the entire time that I've been doing stuff with Elo, Elo Hell. And basically, I just kind of pulled got pulled in as a last minute sub for like. A couple of broadcasts and then we wound up uh being able to get pulled in full-time for uh na trials which just started last weekend and we're now moving into some more broadcasts there and yeah we have uh i would say elo hell has some stuff that's coming in uh, down the pipeline that people should definitely be excited for definitely. again no leaks. no leaks but uh you know between broadcast gg between some other third parties and uh you know, of course, Elo Hell really pushing the envelope, uh, both in production value and with what they're capable of doing for the T2 and T3 scenes. Um, there is some exciting stuff that I'm, I'm really. Everybody should have their eyes emojis out for uh, very for much, sure next, very much uh, in four or five months or so. Yes, yeah. a lot of eyes emojis on that Elo Hell. So if you're not <laughs> following them now, and I'm not trying to shill, Jane, if you're out there, I like what you're doing. I'm yep. not, I'm not hunting for a contract, buddy. But I, I know I know what's going on in community. Be be amped. Be excited. There's there's news. Yep. There's news a coming. I'll, I'll say that much. But to 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 flex seal the uh, the the weird leak we've got kind of sprung here in a second. Um, you know, you mentioned previously you have like this history in, in coaching and and even as a player, you know, high rated on the ladder. Is there is there an itch to to really start working with teams? Is there is there like a player inside of you that's like, oh man, you know Apex, you know this uh, this new BR. I don't know, man. I might I might go in. Well, okay, so I, I definitely have played 
every time I do something, I, I take it probably too seriously. Okay. Uh, it's why I wind up going color and, and going into that every single time because I, I just want to know everything about the game. Sure. Um, so uh, back in Guild Wars 2, I was you know one of the top level players on the ladder when they actually had one for uh, the, the 5v5. I was one of the top level players when they had the GVG. Um, PUBG came out. I was in top 200 every single time that I played one of their seasons alongside my friend uh, Corn Pops, uh, who was, I think, top like 20 a wow. couple of seasons. Um, we got into playing um, Blackout and uh, just the regular multiplayer for mm -hmm. Call of Duty. Corn Pops was like, I think, like fourth, like literally wow. like score per minute, number four in the world across all platforms. And I, like, I just, I, I love playing games with, uh, with that guy and we take things probably way too seriously and try super hard. Um, my win rate right now in apex legends is like 90%. Wow. We've played like 40 games. I think we've only lost like two. Jeez. Um, so yeah, I'm really enjoying playing it. I like winning, but <laughs> I don't think that I would make a good player. Uh, I, I, I could probably pull off coaching um, okay. just because I like the strategy concept and everything. But I will say Overwatch has always been and continues to be the hashtag one love. Um, I always go back to Overwatch. I never even really take time off of Overwatch. Um, so as far as other games go, it's it's things that I'm interested in, things that I have my own hashtag eye emojis off of, or on. Mm -hmm. But Overwatch remains the one love and probably will remain the one love for quite some time. I don't see myself ever getting burnt out or ever losing any passion or drive for this game. I just love it so much. You know, at times I can be pretty cynical about the Overwatch community, you know. <laughs> there there are things that happen and I'm just like, you know, shaking my head, you know, I'd rather just be asleep, you know, just get me yeah. out of here. I'd need a break. And and hearing you know, the, the passion that, you know, people like you and, and people at Broadcast GG and some of the other content creators that I've kind of met through the, the couple of years that I've been doing this full time. Um, you know, I, I hold that on for dear life sometimes, man. Like it's, <laughs> it's rough out there sometimes. And you hear, you hear things and things happen. And I'm just like, oh man, if this community wasn't cool in certain aspects, you know, I don't know if I could, <laughs> if I could do this. I just want to go back to being a fan sometimes or just like put the blinders on yeah. and just enjoy stuff. Um, yeah. Because yeah, it's 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 rough at times. I mean, I can't say yeah, I can't say that it hasn't been tough a few times, especially you know where you consider uh, what casters at this tier have been doing for like the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been lucky enough to have opportunities that a lot of other people haven't had. Um, you know, like being able to go out to Croatia and get paid doing it. Sure. Um, but if you're not in contenders, it's it's very very tough. Yeah. You know. Um, and there are there have been moments where it has been a struggle to say, you know, hey, can I continue even doing this or do I need to at least do something as well to be mm -hmm. able to continue to do this? Uh, so, yeah, there's been tough times and there's been struggles, but overall, I, I wouldn't trade it. I still I, I still think that this is the game that I want to continue to dig into and the game that I have the most passion for um, out of any other game that I've been uh, involved with and I don't see that ever quitting anytime soon. Oh, you, you big man. You. <laughs> With that passion, I know that we're all excited. We got 
roughly, yeah, exactly a week before Owl Season 2 starts up. The Overwatch yep. League is finally coming back. Shoot, I remember back when we were like... Ex- countdown, two days. Uh, community countdown, you know. I would have liked a preseason, but you know, <laughs> it's not content for me. Everybody we're getting, hey, we're getting we're getting scrims. We're getting scrims. Uh, you know, we, we all know what <laughs> what we think about scrims here, right? We, we all I know mean, the scrims. We all know what we mean. saw with the free season too. But exactly. Hey, hey, you know what? Boston almost lost to Shanghai. Just saying. You know how yep. how serious were people taking? Fusion didn't even show up. Uh, uh, you know, preseason aside, you like on a on a paintball. You like six v six with the streamers. It's not content for me specifically. <laughs> That's cool. I like it. You know, gives people jobs, gets people out there. I like it. The community hopefully will like it. It'll be fun. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to be reserved for day one when I see the NYXL play London Spitfire. And um, maybe hands will be thrown. I don't know. Just saying. But <laughs> where's your power rankings? Who, who who do we got coming out on top? What are, what are, what are your thoughts with these teams? Um, okay. So I I drew, I drew some up privately. Mm. Um, probably about... A week and a half ago, because I saw I saw Tactical Crouch sure. put some out with the three of you, um, and then I saw everybody was putting them out, and I was like, I wonder where I would place a lot of these teams. So <laughs> I just put the blinders on. I didn't I didn't use anybody's as reference or anything sure. like that. I just looked at the rosters, um, did a little bit of research myself, and mm-hmm. then after I was done, kind of compared. And I have some things that are slightly different. Yeah, wh- wh- what's um, the big differences? So. I think so. One thing I did with mine, I also rated them for volatility. Sure. Um, and in terms of you know where they're at versus where they could be at, mm-hmm. uh, I think some of the teams that stood out to me as particularly volatile in terms of where a lot of people put them and where I put them and where they could be, you know, in between or you know either direction, uh, are the Spark. I rated okay. them quite a bit higher than a lot of other teams yeah. or a lot of other, other uh, analysts. Yeah. And I would say the most volatile team, which is not volatile for the reason of being uh, inherently volatile, like a lot of people think, mm-hmm. is the Atlanta Rain. Yes. I think Atlanta Rain is going to be a team that could fall anywhere in like sixth yes. to like 16th. Mm-hmm. It could be anywhere in there. And honestly, I think stage one is like a really good stage for them. I mean, you look at their their lineup, they have what I think it goes mayhem which they should win. Mm-hmm. Let's be realistic. Come on. Then they have fusion, which could be tough. Uh, Depending on what, what, yeah. what rain we see could be tough. Could be interesting. Let's we'll, we'll see what happens with fusion, but yeah, continue. And then they go on to play defiant who have at that stage, that will be uh, their second. That'll be Defiant's second game. So they'll mm-hmm. still be on the suspension of Neko yes. in that. So they won't have him. Um, and they'll be effectively, at least currently, be playing two main supports to be able to play uh, through that game, um, if I'm not mistaken. So then they move on to Eternal, which they should win. I even went as far as to look at the actual maps that they're going to be playing, because those are just actually released, I believe, yesterday or the day before. So Rain versus Eternal was um, Ilios, which should be winnable for them, should be okay. Uh, Hollywood, probably a 50-50, I would yeah, say. Yeah, definitely have some goats in there, for sure. Um, yeah, and, and it's because of the goats, the proficiency mm-hmm. that uh, Eternal were, are, are going to be able to bring that out with Hopefully. very early on. Cruz, Ben Best. I, I would say Cruz and Ben Best are the biggest reasons why I believe in their ability to uh, do well with goats. I would agree. But then we come into that assault game type. Things can be very wild there. I, th- I expect... Know. 
I expect Rain to be able to win that one. We'll see. Okay. Could be scrappy. And then, but Route 66 is going to be a big yikes. Who knows? And maybe they play, <laughs> uh, maybe they play like a DPS comp or something like that. But sure. with how well I expect Eternal to be able to understand the macro game of the, of the Goats comp mm -hmm. um, for Route 66, I think that could be a uh, big yikes for Atlanta Rain. But at least they should have a chance at being able to go three one in the map. Uh, score there and they might be able to beat eternal but then you play the the gladiators next and that probably will be a loss but hey you've got hunters and outlaws right after that you could go five and two in stage one it's it's definitely That's a possibility possible in the way that you had i think it was very astute to mark and kind of grade the teams you know for the podcast um, that I do with Yiska and, and Kick Tripod Tactical Crouch. We had settled on like a, a strict 1 to 20, you know, just be bold. But I did actually grade the teams, you know, who are my championship level teams, who are my like contenders, who might be able to happen, like who are my dark horses, and who are the volatile teams. And I did have Atlanta Rain. I didn't have Spark because I think um, X6 Gaming's had enough time for me to kind of uh, flesh out, even though they have the Chinese players, who again, I still don't think we'll see playtime, but we'll see. Um, yeah, we'll see. I had the Dallas, I had Dallas Fuel, I had Atlanta Rain, I think I had Fusion as like my volatile teams that could like really peak really hard one stage and then they kind of drop down. So I definitely yeah, see where I you're coming from. Yeah, I the other ones too. And I would say the, the other team that could be like maybe not as high of a ceiling as I expect Rain to perhaps have, mm -hmm. but certainly that kind of same range would be a team like Toronto Defiant that I guess battle for black and red. Uh, as it were but <laughs> but uh toronto defiant once they bring neko back in yes. if they can bounce back uh from that i don't remember their stage their stage one opponents i think coming out of stage one they'll be in a in, in a rough spot because they do have the games against uh spark mm -hmm. and valiant and uh nyxl that and then as well atlanta rain with neko out so that's four games that they probably won't win if i'm just like basing it off of intuition and throwing out conjecture right now uh th that's four games that they probably won't win so maybe they in that stage like two and five three and four something like that but i think they should be able to bounce back after that and then it's just a question of how well they'll do um post stage one or if they can hey su surprise us somehow in stage one you know winning some of these other games maybe versus you know valiant or mm -hmm beating out the spark or something like that yeah yeah yeah. no I, I just wanted to be clear because i uh enjoy marking houston low houston is not a volatile team i think they're just gonna be you know pretty bad i think that fusion is, <laughs> is where i think things could get messy houston uh you know got some history there i respect you all as people just don't think your team is yep. very good I, I, you know got it got it got it right. you know I'll I'll go ahead and I'm not gonna have an opinion, but I will say that Houston Outlaws on my list is rated 15. I mean, you know, definitely near where I put them. You know, I was a little bit yeah. more aggressive with mine, but you know, I will say I understand. I will say that they do have a remarkable synergy that I think a lot of other yes. teams lack, and yes. that could help them. Could. Certainly, stage one, stage two, I think that will help them. Um, and they have a couple of matchups that I think would look good for them certainly in stage one and stage two so i mean at least coming into like the halfway point mm -hmm. i think houston outlaws could look better than where they might wind up in the end of things but hey that's just, this is just the conversation that uh power <laughs> rankings kind of develop exactly you know? and that's all there you know again this is just my, you know, everybody's anticipation, you know, what kind of, you know, astute opinions we might have on them. Um, 
again, look at how different things were with season one. I'm sure we're all going to be very wrong about some of these teams come season two, how, you know, Boston could end up being a top level team. And, you know, I'm going to have uh, a handwritten letter given to Huck for all the, <laughs> the shade. It, well, I mean, it's not shade, but it, it's just, you know, my opinion. And it just happens to uh, butt heads with the Boston fans and how feverish they are about their uh, bargain bin <laughs> team as Benchmont put it. But yeah, Give me two teams. Give me your underrated team who you think you know might be a dark horse, and give me the team who you think is is is, is a bubble waiting to be popped. Well, I, I think two of the teams uh, that I would bring into this are two teams that we've already mentioned. Yeah. Uh, I think it just it, it depends, I guess. Sure. I would say Atlanta Rain is currently by most people being underrated. I think a lot of people put them outside of playoffs, I mm -hmm. feel like they should be a playoffs team. Okay. I think Kodak and uh, Masa are both Very good. given nowhere near enough credit Nobody's for how good they them, are. Yeah. I mean, Kodak is actually incredibly solid, and I think he'll be put at least in the same caliber as what some people uh, were putting like Boombox in mm -hmm. and everything like that going into season one. Um, Kodak is at, is at least at that caliber, in my opinion. Yep. Masa, you're talking about one of the Giganti talent. Yeah. Very, very solid player. Very knowledgeable Lucio player. Mechanically, really, really solid. And also, great knowledge of the game. And I think the person that everybody's going to be talking about... I think, I think I saw something with you talking about this player in particular awesome. and what he's potentially capable of. But Erster <laughs> is a guy that I think, probably like around stage two, people are going to have Reddit posts galore mm -hmm. about erster because he has the potential to either be an okay mediocre player or straight carpe level yeah. like straight up like incredible player and when you pair him alongside either of Inlayer or defran depending on what you want to play or who mm -hmm. you want to play because both of them are very very talented um i think erster is really going to shine and certainly uh Pokpo and Daco are not lacking in any sort of ability. So there really isn't too many holes on this roster like you could see with other rosters like maybe Valiant, Outlaws, stuff like that. Justice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you mentioned Justice, but you know, as a, you know, DC ish resident area, you know, is this is this a team you'll be pulling for? Are we going elsewhere? Are we, you know, exporting okay, our, so, our fandom so so i will say um for most of my life i've been very much a hometown fan you sure. know growing up in florida uh specifically the tampa bay area i was accustomed to following the tampa bay teams if you know anything about traditional sports whether it be baseball football um hockey whatever mm -hmm. Uh, Tampa Bay hasn't had a great history <laughs> in sports. Uh, we had a couple of really glorious moments. And finally, now with hockey, at least we're doing pretty well as, uh, there. But um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think, really, you could probably see the sadness in my face. Oh, just trust like, me, really, dude. I'm like, from Detroit. Name a dropping. good team. Doesn't, yeah. It doesn't exist, right? So uh, I kindred spirits. So, so I would say the, the Buccaneers or the Suckaneers, if you would call them that, um, really messed me up. So when I wanted to get into soccer again a little bit, I looked at MLS. I was getting into a team that my friend put me onto. Uh, he's from Atlanta. So I, I, I do have a little bit of a desire to see Atlanta do well, just okay. because I like Atlanta as a city, not sure. because of you know the roster that the rain put out. It certainly helps that I like the roster. But I would say I'm, I'm 
looking at the rain a little bit more than a little uh, some of the other teams. Mm. Uh, but obviously, I am a DC native. I am pulling for uh, DC. I even, you know what, I uh, for the Overwatch League 2019 All Access Pass, they had mm-hmm. the option to pick, you know, pick your team <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. I did pick Washington Justice. Like I will say that they need to change their emoticons Roster. because oh. as it as it stands right now it the emoticon well i did hear that roster meme we'll get, <laughs> we'll get to it but right now on on uh, twitch it says instead of saying like justice is served yeah. uh, which is their their their, their motto or slogan yeah, yeah. the way that they wrote it it almost looks like it says Jusser is ticevid so i thought it was hilarious <laughs> I, I feel Tice-Vid. like it just if it follows the narrative that I think we're going to get with Washington Justice, which is essentially like scuff, like <laughs> just straight scuff, um, I think that's probably going to be something that we're going to grow accustomed to. I felt like that was something that I really want to be a part of. So I went ahead and I was like, no, <laughs> we're going for it, boys. Let's get let's get this, you know. But um, but yeah, as a team, um, there are a couple guys on the roster that I, I, I really like. I really think sure. that uh, they could do well, given, you know, that they're in the right system and in mm-hmm. the right meta. Fozix is a guy that um, I, I really hope does well. Stratus is a guy that I really hope does well. You know, followed him since his days in Prestige Worldwide into Rocket Esports. Mm. Uh, that was a team that, you know, really busted out of T3. Right. Um, but I don't know. The roster and what I'm hearing about the roster as well in terms of, you know, the results of what's going on behind the scenes, scrims, you know, what have you. Obviously, that's a meme in and of itself, scrim results. But uh, it... As it turns out, it doesn't seem as though they have a lot of scrim bucks in their bank account. So it doesn't seem like they're going to do that great. And on paper, <laughs> it certainly makes sense why that might be the case. But um, I guess it's just one of those we'll have to wait and see. And I hope at least for my com- my local community's sake that it does go well. You know, I wouldn't be too you know afraid of the local community because the Shanghai Dragons went own. I just hope they don't season. come to my house with pitchforks. Oh, you know I'm sure I mean? they won't. I think I think this will. If I really this... do hope they do well. I'm sure, of course. And even if they don't, they'll be lovable. They'll be charming, just the same way that Shanghai was. If they do indeed, I don't think they will be as bad as people expect, especially coming yeah. later on. As long as I everything... have them higher. I have them higher than a lot of people actually do as well. I mean, pretty yeah. much everybody puts them at 20 or 19. Yes. Uh, I have them at 17. And I think the thing that hurts them the most is what people are going to see in stage one. Because mm-hmm. what are their stage one opponents? Oh, it's, it's disgusting. They're so... It's disgusting. It's like out of the seven matches that they have, I think, what, f- at least five of them are in like everybody's top six in power No ratings. chance you're ever going to win that. Like you maybe I mean, take a map right? and that's a victory. They play what? NYXL, yeah. Spitfire, Gladiators, I think, Fusion. They play. I think they Soul play Florida Dynasty. at some point. Yeah, I think that's the one game that they have a, a really yes. good shot. That's the last game. That's week five, stage one, is their game uh, versus Mayhem. And I think that's the game that they'll be able to be like, oh, finally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But other than that, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tear for all of stage one for them. Unfortunately, I do think though that. Um, they should be able to take a couple maps sure. for sure. It's not going to be a Shanghai Dragons uh, sort of situation. And I do think that once we do finally get out of stage one, uh, we will see them winning more matchups mm. and they should look a lot better. And I think you'll see them fall into a, a better position, a better one than a lot of people are are expecting. At the moment. Yes, I completely agree with that. I think that 
Um, just the strength of schedule will kind of jade people a lot. You know, oh, it's yep. it, it. You will be, you know, uh, you will see people citing this first stage as confirmation bias. Oh, we heard they were bad. They are bad. Look, look yeah. at how. But you have to take into consideration <laughs> they're playing, you it's know, world champions. Yeah, it's a it's a trial by fire. Uh, a little I think bit. Their their winnables are certainly the the mayhem mm-hmm. and maybe the eternal. That's gonna be a tough matchup. Uh, the maps for eternal don't look good for them. It's like Busan, which is like goat central. You're going to lose. <laughs> yeah. uh, King's Row, goat central. You're going to lose. I don't think the assault map is even out because I think it was listed as Busan, King's Row, King's Row. So once we get that assault map, you know maybe that can be a winnable situation. But then you go into Dorado and. That I still still think is kind of a yikes matchup for for justice because sure. you have two options there, at least given what is currently happening with the current meta. Obviously, mm. things could develop and things can change in that time. Sure. But, you know, if it's if it's goats or if it's, you know, Winston goats or dive goats, whatever you want to call it. I still think Eternal has the upper hand there. Uh, if you do wind up going and trying to take Widow duels, you're talking about taking a Widow duel against someone like Soon. I'm sorry, but you don't win that. Um, so, I mean, it, it's a tough matchup. I, I think their best bet is just taking the win versus Mayhem, looking good in their other matchups, taking some other maps, maybe upsetting someone along the uh, along the line. Um, maybe one of those volatile teams out there. Uh, we'll have to see how Dynasty actually winds up looking as well. But um, they have some shots and then just hope to keep morale high for stage two. <laughs> yes, I think that's the big thing that they have to keep in mind is like you cannot have mental boom, even though you're you, you go into it expecting, you know, the worst with how difficult your stage one, you know, uh, strength of schedule is players are a fickle bunch. You know, they're young kids that the second they start to just repeatedly lose and, and when it's not even close, that's even worse. When you're just yeah. you're absolutely crushed. Like if you can keep the morale high going into stage two, I already consider that a victory, and you'll start to see them progress a lot farther off of the back of specifically auto. Definitely a sleeper pick out yeah. there. Teams, I don't know what you're doing. You need to pick them up. Yeah, I, I was actually surprised that uh, they were able to snipe him, and yeah. that he was. I wonder what also the contract looks like for that one. I wonder if they were able to snipe him at a good price too, because it doesn't seem like a lot of their roster would have been particularly expensive um and i wonder if that was maybe you know one of the guys that they picked up that didn't have a high price tag as Mm. well or if that was their high price tag i I mean i I would have to imagine that there were other offers on the table for a guy like that i mean Otto is a truly really solid player that i think again a lot of people are going to continue to talk about yeah, I think I will say I, I you'll hear people talk about him, but it'll always be kind of that that flutta that that Klaus argument, you know, like, oh, well, I hope not. <laughs> I, I honestly believe that he's just going to be kind of stuck a little bit. You know, if he is put on a good team, you might be able to see him shine a little bit more. But there again, you know, sometimes it's it's the, the people around you that, that kind of help you flourish. So who knows? The thing about the thing about season two, though, is that I think we're going to be seeing opportunities at least We'll have to see what some of the new heroes provide because sure. I, I think what was said with, with this current uh, plan for 2019 is that there's going to be more maps and more heroes. Um, so we'll have to see as those get introduced stage by stage by stage um, how those things shake up along mm. with the balance adjustments that are going to be made as well. But given more heroes, that opens up more opportunity for different types of strategies. And sure. one strategy that could work out for them very well is if they actually just utilize Auto as a solo DPS. We're already seeing that kind of uh, 
at the moment where you did see like the the solo may or the solo doom fist mm. or you know protect the mccree tra strategies sure. that came out dive strategies so there there have been a couple of those that have worked and i think that could be something that washington justice down the line incorporates a, a, as a system to kind of play off of auto or auto and that could be kind of a really solid point for them to shine and we could see washington justice look a lot better if they utilize that as mm -hmm. an opportunity and auto will then be spoken about in a much higher regard definitely definitely you know definitely won't be sleeping on him if if washington pulls out like a middle of the pack you know even challenging for playoffs i think it's gonna you know shock a lot of people and, yeah. and definitely bring it home for the team but Hurix wrap this up you know last yeah. little bit is for you plug everything plug anything uh the last little bit of the podcast is yours my friend all right well uh yeah if you if you are currently into watching contender stuff going on right now you can go ahead and catch me alongside my casting partner and you know guys like zp and avast leg day jaws uh we're casting na trials right now it's going on this weekend i don't know when this comes out but it's going on uh this weekend as well as the next weekend as of this recording um then we'll be going into some other uh, projects as contenders seasons wind up uh, springing up for season one and then mm -hmm. from there who knows so that's pretty much what i've got going on and uh yeah you can catch me at ct hurix on twitter as well and definitely follow me because that's how broadcasters get paid that's so. true yeah, it definitely helps <laughs> if you if you've got them uh, social media and for the record so everybody in audio land knows uh, he's mentioning the 9th and 10th of February, as well as the 16th and 17th. So tune in to 8th, 9th and 10th. Sorry. 8th, 9th. Okay, fair enough. And I think actually, I think we'll have to see about that 16th and 17th. That might actually be uh, something else. A different broadcast time, but definitely stay. T the e he hey, you just follow. The okay. Easiest way, the easiest way to get it done is to just follow me on Twitter. That's there the you easiest go. way. It's I'm a, actually trying on Twitter now. It's a, it's, a, it's a new thing that I'm doing. So if you follow, you'll definitely get some. Uh, you'll, you'll you'll definitely get some insight and some uh, knowledge on when things are happening. There you go. Well, thank you again for coming on and, and having a chat. It's been a blast. And uh, again, I, I yeah, silence man. everybody. You know, you're more than welcome to come on if you've got a burning topic. Please, <laughs> I, I enjoy you know, chatting and, uh, you know, at least, you know, helping out the community with some, some audio and video, you know, I get it. Gyms are kind of boring, you know, driving to work's a little dull. So, you know, let me, <laughs> let me try and assist you as best as I know how, you know, let's, let's talk some overwatch. So again, if you ever want to come back, please let me know. Um, and yeah, Absolutely. thanks for, again, thank you for coming on and thank you. Uh, the, the five listeners out there that I have, if you have any questions <laughs> for either me or Herex, again, below our faces are our Twitter handles. Please ask us, please follow us. I hear that, uh, snapping for Twitch Prime's works, so I'm I'm hoping that like snapping Ooh. for for Twitter followers works, but I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, thank you for uh, tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next one.